Take your Bibles. We're going to be in two places today. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and then we're also going to be in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll get to that in a moment. The belt, go cut me a switch. We had a wooden spoon, but I forgot to bring it today, probably because it's so dented or broken from years of, of use. Some of you know what it means when uh, mom or dad or grandma said, go cut me a switch. I, I listen to some podcasts and one of them, I just listen to it for fun. It's the, the duck commander room and it's, it's Cy Robertson and some of his guys and they got on a tangent yesterday about grandmas and Spank and my grandma, I tell you what, when her voice hit a certain octave, you melted because you knew it was all over, okay? And so some of you have been there, and for you guys that haven't, you may have to Google it, and there may be a reason why society might be a little better if we go back there. But if grandma was watching you or grandpa and mom and dad were gone, they had full reins and rights to administer any kind of justice they needed to and so if you did something wrong sometimes some of you had been go cut me a switch and what happened when you come back which you know uh, they were talking on the podcast that his his grandma had a certain tree that just grew switches you know but you know if you brought back one of those sticks that was flimsy and would break real easy what would happen go cut me another one and then he was talking about the fact that his mom had one that she used forever, and she kind of cried when it broke because I guess it was a good, it was a good, it was a good switch. But what are we? Ta- but when you heard those things, or my dad talked about the belt, I'd take mine off and show you, but then my pants would probably go some direction or whatever. But but um, in our society today, you think that's horrible. But my goodness, how many survivors do we have of the switch and the belt and the spoon? Yes, I, I, you said I'm saying. And guys, there's a difference between child abuse and discipline. But what we're dealing with is the fact that we're trying to run from all discipline, period, in our society today, which goes back to the garden on the fact of Adam and Eve were trying to run from the discipline of God, and they, and they couldn't. And so many times, you know, uh, still don't like to give it. You know, when parents say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, one of the last times I, I spanked my oldest son, he's a type 1 diabetic and had a pump, and I, I smacked him right where the needle was. I don't even want to think about that. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, you don't want to punish your kids. We've talked about this, and especially grandparents. Now, you know what? You know, I may say no or something like that but here's your Dr. Pepper and your candy go home and deal with your parents okay um, that kind of thing I mean, it's kind of payback kind of kind of stuff like that but nobody wants they don't wake up in the morning parents or grandparents and say I really want to rip them a new one you know split split them open whatever you know that kind of thing no it's like hey be great to get along be awesome if you obeyed and that's the way it is. And you know what happens, whether it's mom, dad, or whatever, if you decide to run. It did not make it better. It made it worse. 
because you knew you were going to get it. And then if you heard the words, well, when dad gets home, you know, that kind of thing. And again, I bring all these things up is because we do this with God. As we have run from physical discipline, we run from the discipline of God. And we don't like to give it as we get older. You know, we'd rather just have a good time and everybody get along. And we definitely don't want to get it. And still, as we get older, and it's the same with God's discipline. We struggle to accept his discipline and to receive his discipline. And sometimes in church and in, in the body of Christ, we struggle with giving discipline. This is why churches struggle so much, because uh, uh, Peter says that discipline begins in the house of the Lord. And what's happening is we as Christians are punishing the lost instead of dealing with the discipline within his church. Ramp. And bad ministers and people leading other people to hell because of discipline being rejected and ran from, I'm going to say literally in the American church. Because a lot of places, not that there isn't a problem around the world, but most of the other places, they actually, they actually believe the Bible and want to hold to it. But uh, anyway, so we struggle to accept it, we struggle to receive it, we struggle to get it. And so we make a choice to run from it. And then we are, we are made bitter from it and defiled from it or run to the discipline of God and we're made better from it and a better relationship with God. And so your action step today, grow in the discipline of Christ. Wow, I don't like that one, Pastor. Grow in the discipline of Christ. We can see this clearly, uh, the reason for God's discipline in the life of Moses. Uh, just going to say, when you start coming on Wednesday nights, that Chosen series, it just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I won't be here this Wednesday night. we got family coming in, and Dan's going to cover. I hope the vote goes that we continue it, but that's just my bias. I can say that because Dan's going to cover it. But, but it just keeps really giving you more, more pictures of how God uh, deals with us. And it kind of focused on Moses last week for a little bit. And it, you know, the life of Moses, Moses was a man of God, as it said in Exodus 33:11. He talked with God face to face, all right? He was called the prophet of God, and he was the pastor of God, but yet he experienced the discipline of God. And you can go back and look at it this week or later in Numbers 20. Here's why... We're going to see here in Deuteronomy 34, it really, if you read Deuteronomy 34, this section, it's going to look like God is horrible and he's mean. But what we forget is God is holy. And what we need to understand is there is loss, which is discipline, when we don't follow God. Adam and Eve were saved, but they had to leave the garden. And then we have the curse of death and all the things that we have to deal with. And the problem is discipline hurts and there's pain and there's loss. And hopefully the goal is that you don't do it again or that you grow from it. But I'm going to get on my high horse. If we do not discipline, whether physically or spiritually, Proverbs says, if we fail to discipline our children, we aid in their death. I could add there, not trying to add to the Bible, the death of others. Rampant. We just saw the survivors of parental discipline grandparent discipline okay here so survivors group here but uh, he, Moses was all these things but in Numbers 20 God told him guess what 
his congregation were griping again. We could have been back at Egypt. We could have been making bricks and having our bellies full. And, da, 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 da. and they, it's amazing how the Southern Baptists have been this way. If we went back to the 1950s, everything would be good. Always the good old days. But most of you, if you thought further back at the good old days, they weren't that good at the time. You got the children of Israel saying, you brought us out here in the desert to die. And we're thirsty. And so Moses goes to God. God tells him to strike the rock. Moses strikes it twice. And if you don't look at that clearly, you'd say, well, who cares the amount of times that he did it? Well, because how many times does it take God to do something when he says he's going to do it? Once. So, like Abraham, Moses may have been, well, maybe this is not my timing. Maybe I need to help God out. You say, that's horrible. Moses had to put up with these whiny, terrible people out in the desert for 40 years. Can't God cut him some slack? Well, we'll, call, we'll talk about that slack in a little bit, that grace. But God has a standard, and we need to stop lowering it. And so he hit the, right the rock twice when God told him to do it once, and so because he was still in God's glory, or not so much for Moses, but saying, well, maybe... God needs some help. No, he doesn't. He chooses to use us. Let's look at Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 and 7. Then Moses went up to the plains of Moab and Moab and Nebo, to the top of that word, which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead and as far as Dan, not Swadley. All of Nephi, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judea and as far as the western sea, and the Negev and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, and as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he, and he buried him. The Lord buried him. That's, that's a funeral. That's a, that's a service right there, you know. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite that word, because it didn't take time to look at it. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old and when he died. And his eye was undibbed and vigor unabated. You read that, you might say to yourself, that's mean. I'm going to let you see the promised land, but you're not going in. And... What could be, what could put more salt in the wound is verse 7. He's 120 years old. He could still see, they're around here, without glasses. I usually wear a contact, read with one, distance with the other, so you're all blurry, so I'm really going to give you the shotgun method today because I'm not worried about your looks because I can't see it. It's just a fuss. Okay? But... Moses was 120, he still had 20-20 vision or better, and he still had energy of a young man. Now next week we're going to talk about Caleb. Two people that had been given orders from God, one that didn't obey and was disciplined by it, and the other one that did obey, wasn't disciplined, and got to physically see the rewards. Let's talk about that for a minute. 
I came home this week in the middle of the week and we needed to move our uh, internet dish thanks to Dan Swadley. We just need, I always have to say that because he helped get us internet in our third world country, which is our valley. And uh, so anyway, the reception wasn't working as good. And I guess, I guess my boys, you know, they, you know, they want to help dad out. No, they want to make sure you got good internet. So I, I was just at home. I thought, well, that's a project for when the wedding's over. And one day when I feel like I want to do something for two or three days. No, we're doing it right then, you know. So I got to dig a trench two inches deep. May not sound hard to you, but dig two inches deep from here to the door, you know, for our dish so it's out in the yard. And I'm one of these people, it's like, well, I'm going to get done. I'm not going to come back to this. I wasn't like Moses in that state. I've been trying to get my vigor back for a week from that. And Aleve helps with that a little bit. But this... <laughs> This, this makes me mad when I don't understand it because I think that's just a mean God. And I want you to understand, this is where our society is. Well, I don't like the God of the Old Testament because he just did these, you know what? He's the same God. And he's the same God through the Old Testament that was bringing Jesus' grace and giving his son. So we need to build a bridge and get over this. Problem is we want to run from discipline. We don't want to receive it and we definitely don't want to give it. God disciplined Moses. And this, when I was doing my reading, I'm like, we need to talk about this. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to kind of camp there. And we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 3. And I may have given them the wrong one. I don't know, but we'll figure it out. You have Bibles. You can. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go back to it. I'm going to read the whole section. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be willy, weary when, re, when reproved by it. For the Lord's discipline, the one he disciplines the one he loves, and he chastes every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So, it is, so it that no, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You need to camp on that and go back to that this week. Because that's the answer of what God was doing in, in, in Deuteronomy, and that is the answer if you've experienced or you're going to experience the discipline of God. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Consider him 
who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you might grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Consider, think about it, meditate on it. Christ, who endured, who suffered. And don't grow weary, don't become sick or, or faint or faint-hearted or pass out, but look to Christ for your strength. Look to his example. Why do we go through Easter and talk about his crucifixion and his trial and all these things if we don't understand? Guess what? He suffered and he was disciplined by God for us. Because of our struggle, he says, our fight, we have not yet resisted death. The reason we receive the discipline, uh, we need to understand this. That he is not going to give us more than we can handle. He knows where we're at. We need to cry out to him and call to him. But I think even more now in our society, we're folding under anything. We're not teaching anybody to do hard things. Try to be good and not make a comment there. But, <laughs> okay. but, uh, but what we need to see here in your first point, that's going to spell out the word growth. I had another word spelled out, but I misspelled it, and Julie reminded me, so I wasn't going to add an extra point. I'm at Menards, and she texts me, and so I'm on the fly changing it. Yes, it's still here. We're just talking points. Okay, whatever. But it's going to be word growth. It took me three times to get the, end word, the last word right. Because Anyway, all right. The reason we receive this, the discipline of Christ is, is because we go off Christ's example. We go off Christ's example. You are allowed to do anything if it's Christ's example. Problem is, we don't want to follow his example because it is hard. We look to his example because we're family. Look at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. You are not God's child. Nobody that you meet is God's child until they realize that Christ is Lord, that they are sinners, and he is the only way to salvation, and they ask him in their life. Then they become a child of God. And this is what we're dealing with. Talk about discipline and theology. This lie that everybody's God's children. Not at all, period. Not because I said it. Okay, here. But everyone is God's creation. And everyone is made in the image of God, according to Genesis 1.27. And everyone has value to be redeemed. They have to make the choice if they're going to enter the family. Wouldn't that be nice if you can make a choice what family you entered? You did when you got married. You may have... Not sticker shock, but buyer's remorse, you know, I don't know. Not some, sometimes, I, I'm going to be good because I love my wife. Sometimes I feel like, I'm, yeah, okay, anyway. All right, I, this is on Facebook Live, keep it together. All right, so, <laughs> whoo, like Johnny Cash, I walked the line. Okay, but anyway, so, have you forgotten, he, he created, we're, we're, not, we're created it as his handy his workmanship but we don't become his children until we make that decision and God's children so we don't take his discipline lightly we take it seriously we don't blow it off oh that doesn't make a parent more when your child becomes a mind reader and you haven't even spoke it yet and they said I know you really do you know what I'm going to say all right you, you have these powers beyond measure you know um, and th so many times or, well, did they really? I mean, this is what happened in the garden. 
Satan's telling Eve, did, did God really mean that? Did he really say that? We do this with the Bible, and this is why we're in the problem that we're in, is most of the Bible, guess what? It's black and white, and it says what it says, and it means what it means. I'm going to take it lightly. I love Ken Ham and his creation stuff, and he talks about in some of his seminars that he talks about if, if, we, if we take the Bible out as our foundation, everything begins to crumble. If we do not have a biblical worldview that says, the Bible sets my standard, we're blessed. You're going to be sending Heather and I to the convention this year, and we don't go every year, and it's been a year they've skipped it, but... I'm kind of concerned, and our vote does matter, you know, in churches, but I'm kind of concerned where we as Southern Baptists as a convention are placing the Bible. There's some that say we're not, and I think they've got an ulterior motive, but then there's some that are right on point. The Bible needs our base. The only reason our denomination is still here and not waning in some sense is because we... But let's get back to Bass Chapel. Whoever stands here, whoever's in the positions of leadership needs to make sure that the Bible is our foundation. But, so we don't, so the word that you're reading throughout the week and throughout your life and God convicts you, discipline you, don't blow it off. You know how you feel as a parent and grandparent. Oh, I know. And they go do another thing. Don't be weary or exhausted of God's discipline. Don't take it lightly, but endure it. Because, because of this reason, God disciplines us. Look at verse 6. For the Lord's discipline, the one he loves, and he chastens every son who he receives. And this is hard to hear as a child. It's hard to say as a parent, but I'm doing this because I love you. And you're like, really? Because I wanted to go to this thing, and you're not going to let me because I still can't sit down, but you love me? <laughs> you know, um, It is out of love. Think about it. How did you learn not to do something? How did you learn to, to survive in society through discipline? From your parents, hopefully. This is why we've got to understand this. When parents don't, I didn't say how you had to do it, but guys, you've got to find those pinch points. And this is why we're having issues in our society because people that were children are now adults and they never heard the word, this is going to get really hard for you. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see my grandson this weekend, but uh, he was here a couple weeks ago. And it's funny, sometimes when he, you know, I really like how my kids are disciplining him, but sometimes he'll discipline himself. He'll head towards something he's not supposed to be and he goes, No. <laughs> No, just back off there, you know. <laughs> I was like, I like that, man. I don't have to do nothing. You just, you got the, no, no, no. Okay, no, all right. You know, but how many times we laugh at that and think that's cool, but when God's already told us, and God says yes more than he says no, and he really says it for our own good, he's not a killjoy. He loves us dearly, so therefore he... He, he chases us. God disciplines us because we are his children. God now I'm going to give you two points because I couldn't separate them out. So this is cool. Okay. We're growing the discipline. If we're going to grow in the discipline of God, we need to respond with holiness. When you do what God wants you to do, 
you're responding with holiness. See, now here's where a lot of you got mixed up. And I got it mixed up for years. I got to be perfect. Good luck with that. The holy means that you're separate and you're apart and you look more like God than not. And, oh my goodness, the older you get and the closer you get to God, then the more he says, hey, this area I've let slide, but why don't you obey me here? And so that's like when you're driving along and somebody does something stupid and you're by yourself and you make a comment to yourself in the car. You know, dog may be there sometimes, I don't know, but she's not going to tell. But here's the deal. I say to myself, why would I say that? Why would I be mad like that? And then it makes me mad when I'm in a grumpy mood and I'm trying to do better. Okay. And then I realize I'm wearing a shirt that says chaplain on it with a cross. I thought, oh, man, I'm busted if I'm mean to this person. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, you need to do whatever you have. But whenever you are faced with don't do that because I love you and I want you to grow in me, we need to not respond in the flesh. But we need to respond in holiness. And what that means is how would Jesus respond? But secondly, that takes outrageous faith. God, I, that's that Carrie Underwood, Jesus take the will prayer. In my ministry and in my Christian life, of the fact of God, I want to do this. I would like them to know how the cow eats the cabbage. But I'm going to trust you because you can handle them better than me. Or God, give me the words to say, or, let, or help me restrain not to say. And that takes outrageous faith in the fact of God can handle it, and God knows, and God sees, and so therefore, I'm going to trust God. But how many of us, I think I could discipline that person better than God. Come on, God, let me have it. No. And it's hard. Because in our mind, we say, God, they're getting, nobody's getting away with nothing. This is the grace of God. He wants all to be saved and none to perish. And we need to understand that he is always at work. Look at verses uh, 7 through 9. It is for a discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Well, okay, we'll stop with that. <laughs> if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them, so we not, how, so we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live. When we are disciplined by God, it shows that we are the children of God and that we are family and that we are uh, just, uh, and we don't, he doesn't discipline us just to discipline us. He, he doesn't just discipline random people. He is disciplining us as children of God. If you're at Walmart or someone, you might want to say, I mean, sometimes I'm standing there and going, I know what would help you in that situation, Mom and Dad, right now. Uh, you better find a private place, but they come back straightened up, and you wouldn't be having a scene here. Okay? But I wouldn't go around disciplining other people's children other than if I was paid for it, and that's called a bus driver, okay? But uh, it's to drive a bus, discipline kids at the same time. You think I'm crazy? Okay, but, um, so what we see here is you're God's child when he disciplines you. 
Just don't go out to Walmart and the mall and say, I'm, I'm taking care of that kid. No. And so a lot of you that have had, and not all of you, but you've had somebody in your life that you respected that disciplined you, whether it was a teacher, a parent, or a grandparent, or that you respected their discipline, and you grew from it, and you can still remember the things that they said. My grandfather, every time, before, we were ready to eat. We get to that table. Did you wash your hands? Go do it. And you say, well, how's that discipline? It taught me to wash my hands. You COVID people. And ladies, don't trust men. I tell you what, in the sense of the majority of them go in the bathroom and don't wash their hands. I think our church people, men do. I'm not keeping a list. Okay? But what's interesting about COVID, the amount of people, what were you doing with your hands and sanitizing before this? Okay? You know what I'm saying? Oh, come on, let's talk. Okay? All right? But, oh, look, I'm touching my face, but it's just mine. Okay? But... Um, all right, I'll get back to it. You enjoyed that rabbit for a second. But, you know, here's the deal. We accepted the discipline from people that we love. I went fishing with my dad, you know, last week, and we had a good time. But guess what? There was times when my brother and I were too loud at night, weren't going to bed, and suddenly the belt would appear. And I'm not in therapy. I've got a good group here that's been through that or whatever. But the thing about it is I love my dad and I respect my dad. And he taught me a lot of wonderful things. Your next fill in receiving discipline gives us wonderful assurance. Some of you, and I want to talk about that assurance here in a minute, but some of you, it's, 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 it's really interesting when a parent really loves their child, not just disciplining them, but loves them in all ways. You've been there where that child or that grandchild is disciplined and they're all pouting and they're upset with you and guess what, they come back and get in your lap. Because they know somebody cares about them. Let's, let's go this route. I'm not going to discipline my child and they're running towards a cliff. I never tell them stop or no or whatever. And now that's an adult. And we're talking about people going off the cliff of hell, but yet they can make their own decisions. I've come to that point. I don't save anybody. I don't make anybody become a Christian. But we're in sin if we don't tell them that the bridge is out and this is not how it ends, and this is what's going to happen. And this is how you can avoid it. What they do with that is up to them. But we've been taught, especially in American Christianity, that I save people or I have to make them. I can't make anybody do anything. Receiving God's discipline also, your next one, invites maturity, growing in Christ. We have a wonderful assurance that God is for us. He's our father. We're a part of the family. But it also invites maturity growing in Christ. The benefits of discipline. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. For they discipline us for a short time that it seemed best for them. But he disciplines us for our good. Then we might share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Last church I left, was there over 10 years, left on a great note, a beautiful place, ready to go forward, but through that whole 10 years was a long line of people leaving. I'm not saying some of them didn't leave because of me, but they were leaving before that, and that's saying people didn't come, and I'm not saying it was a better, better church from that, but we talk about this 
hardness. I know I answer to God, but I also care to some extent what people think of me, but that I'm going to go outside of that. But you can say it one way or another, it still hurts. And God was teaching me something. He was teaching me in Timothy, for the Lord alone stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be pre- preached completely to the, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And he saved me from the mouth of the lion. If you go back to the end of 2 Timothy, I believe, chapter 4, verse 17, you'll see that Paul is by himself. And the thing that God taught me over those 10 years, it doesn't matter who, how close someone is to you, am I enough? Am I gyra? God is enough. And that was 10 years of hard talks. That was 10 years of this and that. And if it wasn't for my wife and good accountability and the grace of God, no teasing, lows would be where I would be at. Smiling and saying, go on your way. You know. But God was maturing me because later in life I had those closer to me, uh, those Joshuas that would lift my arms up during those difficult times. And God said to me, who is it in this church if they were to leave, you would leave? Well, pastor, you're horrible. Let's get real. That's how I live. I'm going to be there for Jesus. And guess what? Those people left. And God taught me, am I enough? And I will testify. Ephesians 3.20, yes. Period. But go back to this maturing. Go back to the discipline. You're going to have to go to somebody's house and they're going to tell you everything wrong with you in the church and you're going to have to, and you're going to ask for that because that's biblical, and I'm going to discipline you and strengthen you and grow you. You've all been there one way or another in some form of your life where God has done that. And some of you have received it, and some of you have not. And I'm no better than any of you, but it is hard. But go back to what he says. It's painful for the moment, but it produces the benefits of, of, of fruit and peace. It's a short time. It's not, it's not for long term, but it's for our good. And in the middle of it, that word painful, that it's heavy and not pleasant. It's not joyful. But later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness, holiness, which is acceptable to God. And that brings us back to Moses. If you don't understand this, you say, that is a horrible Old Testament God and I want nothing to do with it. Moses had to put up with those people. He had to spend all this time in the wilderness. That is horrible. Moses was on the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. Moses is considered the prophet of prophets. I think him physically going into the promised land versus spiritually and physically going into the eternal promised land, I will choose the eternal. And by that time, I think Moses understood because Moses... They said he was one of the most humble men, but he did have anger issues, and God was disciplining him. He could have hit that rock twice because I'm sick of you people, bam, bam, instead of hitting them with it. You know, you know, but the thing about it is, for whatever reason, obviously by that time, we don't hear Moses complaining. Your next fill-in, when we receive the discipline of God, we are receiving treasured benefits of assurance, of faith, of maturity, 
of holiness, all the things we've talked about. Receiving the discipline of God, it uh, it produces your next fill in a windfall of fruit. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you pray for the fruits of the Spirit, you are way braver than me. Because here's what happens. If you pray for patience, guess what? How you're going to learn patience. God is going to put you with somebody. You want to kick him in the backside. Or you want to do this. You're all kinds of crazy. I'm going to go over here. You know, pastor, you're horrible. Well, God's working on me. And I'm just saying what you're thinking because I'm trying to get you to the point of deal with it. Windfall of abundance, proving and growing in faith, the fruits of the Spirit. Just like this wooden spoon, I don't have my wooden spoon at home because we broke it. No, I don't know. But there would, there were, you know, there would be a, a wooden spoon days at home where people may or may not have been a little bit out of control or starting their day wrong. And so, you know, I had to go off somewhere. My wife would say, this You know, you may have those memories of that was hard. You may remember a switch. I mean, those things hurt. And they left a mark. <gasps> you know, and I'm not downing abuse. Abuse, there's no place for that. But I'm talking about correction. But you received it, and you learned from it, and you're here today. Survivors, so happy for you. Romans 8, 31, for we know all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not calamity, give you a future and a hope. Grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, they... What do you think God's doing? I want you to know me more than before. So how do we apply this? Look at verses 12 through 14 here. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one sees the Lord. Lift up those drooping, weak, and exhausted hands and strengthen those weak knees that paralyze you because you're like, I don't want to go into that. I have had so many meetings where I had to put on my spiritual big boy pants. It's like, I really don't want to do this, but I love God more. And I want to please God more. And I want to grow that relationship with him. To realize we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. 13, we need to straighten up. A posture of righteousness and healing that he is healing what is broken. Many times we're like duck and cover. We're children of the king. He's one. We're dealing with skirmishes. They may physically be able to take our life, but that's it. And I'm not making lightly of that. But it's not that we stand in our pride and think we're better than everybody, but we're children of the king. Straighten up. Buck up. Not 
the peace that the world gives where let's go along to get along. All right? I'm talking about godly peace where I'm good with God. And when we do godly peace, that means we accept the discipline of God, but everybody is accepting the discipline of God, so they may still bother you. But Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. Overcome the world. Strive for peace. Run after peace. That's your goal. That is my guide. When I have to do hard things and I have to obey, am I at peace with God? Is this what God wants? If you listen to everybody else, and especially in the American church, depending on where they stand on the Bible, a lot of American churches are going with get along and go along, and that's not godly peace. Godly peace says, if Christ showed up, would I be living according to what he wants me to? Run to it and receive it. It's for your own good and for the good of others. And then lastly, follow Moses' example we see in verse 15. And see to it that no one causes trouble. Many I'll see to it. The only way you can accept God's discipline and obey God is through his grace and forgiveness, receiving him as Savior, following him as Lord. We need his grace, and we need to because here's the deal, if we choose not to accept God's discipline, or God, you're not taking care of the bitterness, we have to guard it. There's a tree in Asia, I need to look it up, but it grows the root underground for years. And then when it pops up, I really think they've got it gauged. I know somebody's going to Google it, so great. But I think it grows about an inch a day after it comes up, but the root is growing forever underground. That's the way a lot of you all are. I'm mad at God because he's doing this to me. Maybe you're not obeying him. Or maybe he's trying to teach you something. Or maybe we're going to find out next week with Caleb, you're just happen to be in the blast zone of him disciplining somebody else. And we become defiled and stained. That's what a lot of our society is today. This is who I am because this person hurt me. This deacon, this pastor, this church, or this person hurt me, so therefore I'm not going to fellowship with God's people. That is a sin. We've all been hurt. We need to forgive. If it doesn't work in the church you're in, you go to another one. That person and that individual is wrong, and they're stained by it, and they're going around everywhere else, and they're, they got this stain on them that only the obedience in, in Christ and his discipline can taking that stain and we're other people. Don't be stained by it. Don't be defiled by it. Be holy. Be like Moses. Accept the discipline of God and, the whole, and receive the holiness of God by the grace of God. So a question I have for you time of invitation. Are you running from God's discipline or are you running to God's discipline? Our natural desire is to run. Nobody likes pain. But what we need to understand in our lives that we can grow from it and grow closer to God from it. As we stand to our feet, a question I have for you invitation, are you growing from and in the discipline of God or are you running from it? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I pray that we will willingly accept your discipline and grow from it and love others the way you call us to. In your name, Jesus.